Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves, hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. I would like to begin by paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I am coming to you from today. Land where at Brainwaves we tell our stories, and land where the traditional custodians have told their stories for many, many years before us, and continue to tell their stories. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners who are listening today. Just before we start, I'd like to say that this comedy series is a two-part series, and uh, part two will be broadcast next week. Enjoy part one. Welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855 AM on your radio or streaming from the 3CR website. I'm Evan, your host today, and I'm joined by some clever individuals who are involved with comedy, writing and performing their own routines, and also inspired by some workshops that have been happening at Skitsy Inc. at Ross House, Flinders Lane, Melbourne. Ladies first, we have Juliet, who not only does comedy, but also dance and writing. We have Mitchell, or should I say, Uncle Mitch. Yes. More of that later. And joining them, we also have Rowan, who has some comedy work he's sharing with us too. Welcome, everyone, to Brainwaves. Great to have you along. Yeah, Thank you so much. Mike. Hi. Awesome. Here, Evan. Thank you. All right. Well, we might start the show with some of your work. Who who feels they'd like to perform first? I would love to. Oh, who else? Go on, Juliet. Oh, Juliet. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've been nominated. I've been nominated for the award. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, look, firstly, crack on, eh? Yep. All right. Yep. Well, look, look, firstly, thank you so much for having me and everyone else on the show, Evan. This is really awesome and exciting. And hello to everyone in Radio Land. Now, I can't actually see the audience because I'm on the radio. But if you can, but if you make a lot of noise for me, I, I bet that I can. So let's start this off with a bang. Stomp your hands and make your noise. Juliet. Click, click, click. And, and and now clap clap your hands and stomp your feet if you have no lived mental health experience whatsoever. Oh, crickets. Oh, tough crowd. Let's try something else. Clap your hands and stomp your feet. And don't do that thing I said before, which is stomp your hands and clap your feet. Clap clap your hands and stomp your feet. If you do have lived mental health experience, just like I do. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what my little sketch is going to be today, just trying to make the unfunny funny. So So I'd like to... You know, share a few light-hearted, humorous anecdotes about my time in the mental health system and 
even a couple of my time in the psych ward. So firstly, I'd like to tell you about some wonderful, magical, funny things that happened when I was in the psych ward, such as, um, uh, oh, I'm sorry, there wasn't anything wonderful or magical or funny that happened in the psych ward. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. But, you know, it, it, it does make sense, doesn't it? Because when, when you're in the mental health system, when you're in the psych ward, you're away from your from your friends and family. You're having a you're having the worst day ever. The people around you are having the worst day ever, and in fact, they're having the worst day ever for the entirety of your stay. And that's just the staff. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've I've had depression and anxiety since I was thirteen, and I'm thirty nine now. So I'm pleased to say that I've enjoyed a smorgasbord, a sushi platter of mental health staff, everything from psychiatrists to counsellors to caseworkers. Ooh, the psychiatrist. It's been a fair few years since I've seen them. I actually had to get rid of my psych because he was charging me $300 an hour. He never once gave me a happy ending. <laughs> Honestly, I'd be a lot better getting going to a dominatrix. At least they'd, she'd probably dress better. <laughs> and counsellors, oh, psychiatrists are one thing, but counsellors, I've been to lots and lots of counsellors o- over the years. And oh, I, I, rem- I remember this one. I'd been seeing this counsellor for quite a number of weeks. And we got to the point that I felt that I was going to have a breakthrough, which I was really excited about. And so I told her, I think I'm about to have a breakthrough. And you said, that's all the time we have today. <laughs> and I said, but no, no, you don't understand. I really think that this will help me with my thoughts of suicide and self-harm. But she cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know that was maybe a tad morbid. And, and you know, the, the mental health staff really do the, their best, the best job that they, they can do. It isn't their fault that a lot of them are broken, just like the public mental health system. So I'd like to share with you a nice anecdote from one of my times in, in the psych ward. And it was a time that a staff member really helped me. So there I was having a not really great time. And I confided in one of the nice staff members that a couple of days ago, I had tried to take my own life. And I, I've got to say, their reaction was really heartening. They actually took my hand and they put my hand over their heart and they looked deep into my eyes and they said well actually I've got no idea what they said because my eyes were drawn to a poster in the distance and that poster said if at first you don't succeed try try again (laughs) that's terrible advice (laughs) But I've got to say, guys, it is good advice if you do want to try something creative like comedy or writing or dancing or whatever makes you really happy. And if you don't do well, please do try try again because I'm sure you'll be great at it. Now, again, I can't, I can't see or hear you, but I do know that you're a wonderful audience. So I'd like to show my appreciation to you with a little knock-knock joke. And this is my gift from me to you. So I'm hoping the people in the studio can help me with this. Knock, knock. 
Who's there? Who's there? Awesome audience. Awesome audience. Who? Awesome audience, you. Thank you, silly <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's my skit, people. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. That was wonderful, Juliet. Um, yeah, I, I remember you doing the um, the live one with the the whole audience. It sounded fantastic. They really they really enjoyed it, and so did I. I'm not sure who enjoyed it more, me or them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, the, the obvious first question: what what inspires your comedy? Is it this is to everyone? Um, like not just mental health, like mental health as well as other situations you've been in or what's what's the main inspiration? I'd I'd say it's just the um craziness of the world in general. That you know, yeah. if you start looking around you just notice some bizarre things happening and people making lots of money out of other people's misery and you know, it's just where weird things happening and just just have to take a bit of time to have a look around and just find lots of material for, yeah for jokes and stuff you know but so a lot of it's black humor but you know it's it's human nonetheless so yeah that's what I, I look for in just the surreal situations or imagining things might be a different way or why they are the way they are that kind of thing like I won't often say um, why things are like that without thinking about the possible answer, you know, things might be like that because, you know, and then come up with something else. But that's just me. I, I spend a lot of time on my own, so I had a lot of time to think about these sorts of things without being distracted by other things. Yeah. So that's that's my take on it. Oh, thanks, Rowan. Uh, Mitch, what about you? Um, well, my kind of humour's been identified, I guess, as more storytelling style rather than the bang, 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 one-liner punches and and that sort of thing. So um, I guess it's just a, a, a way of trying to tell my story, my way, me taking back the narrative and, and you know, just, just taking people on a journey you know, um, just telling a, you know, a few anecdotes and that sort of thing and, and, you know, putting a funny spin on things. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good way of doing it. Um, hmm. What about you, Juliet? How do you feel, uh, get inspired? Sure. So basically, I, I'm also a writer. So the way that I write is, is I always get a first line that really speaks to me and then I just extrapolate that first line and then make a story or a series of anecdotes or a series of one-liners that, that, that fit that that first one line. And I couldn't agree more with what Mitch and Rowan said. It really is about taking back the narrative of some very unfunny things that happened to you and that happened yeah. inside your brain. And I think, it, you know, mental illness, people don't talk about it as much as, as they should. So many people suffer from it, but... Mm. We, we don't make it funny, and there's something inherently funny about your brain going haywire sometimes and about, you know, the treatment that doesn't work and, you know, people saying things that are a real put in, put in mouth. So for me, yeah, it, it's very much about latching onto that black humour, reclaiming the narrative, changing something from something that's happened to me physically and, you know, physically and mentally and changing it to me doing something 
productive getting up on stage, getting up on the radio yeah. and telling a funny joke and telling a funny story. Yeah. He, and if I can, yeah. thank you. And if I can do that and if I can, and, and I've got to say, every time I do it, people come up to me and they say either me too or a very close friend or family member have gone through the same thing. So I think if we can connect people in that way, it's just a really powerful thing. So I'm just a conduit who's trying to do that at the moment. Yeah, like I said, the same thing hearing your show, um, some of those jokes, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but um, yeah, it was just exactly how what I went through <laughs> when I went through the psych ward, yeah. Um, so it's a really, it's a really common experience. It's a really common experience, and we're all connected yeah. in, 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 in some really special ways. So, you know what? It's happened. You may as well laugh about it. And at the time, there's not much to laugh. At the time, there's not much to laugh about. But no, there really isn't. Looking back, you can sort of can sort of process it, and then think, you know, how how would I have seen that if I was probably not suffering so much? You know. Seeing both sides, and, you know, like when you said, "Oh, that's that's um, you know, or having a bad day, and that's just the staff," you know. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> so many grumpy staff, so much comedy fodder. Oh, if only they knew there was a comedian in the ward. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how long have you all been doing comedy? So, I... you go, Mitch. Yeah, no, I, I. I... Sort of been having a crack at drawing cartoons. Oh, gee, since early nineties, I suppose, maybe late eighties. Um, and I sort of went along to the comedy workshops, um, thinking I might get some idea on how to craft good jokes, how to write um, good good punch lines in a cartoon or a panel cartoon or something, a comic strip. Mm. Um, and I, I had no intention of getting up and, you know, performing a set. I just wanted to you know, learn a bit about gag writing. Yeah. Um, so I guess my um, debut of stand-up comedy was at um, Mojo um, last year, 2022. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there was there was Mojo at Loot Bar last year, and then a few months later, um, some of us performed again at um, twenty twenty two Melbourne Fringe at Trades Hall. So I, um, I I guess since then I've been I've had lots and lots of ideas. Um, it's it's just about crafting those anecdotes into into a funny story yeah so what's your funniest moments you can remember that you draw upon in your lives and if <laughs> any funny moments that stand out um, lots of embarrassing moments lots of <laughs> anything you can share on radio <laughs> Juliet oh I've I've actually got one about the comedy workshop that I've very, I, I very nearly put my foot in my mouth big time. Yeah. So, so all of us have been working with a wonderful comedian by the name of Nellie Thomas, very experienced comedian, and she, she's taught all of us a lot. Like she's especially taught me about about stage presence and how to craft a joke, and it's just been a brilliant experience. 
But when I started the comedy workshop, I'd never met Nellie Thomas. And so I was running really, really late. Like we're talking beyond fashionably late. We're talking cataclysmically, apocalyptically late, <laughs> like just embarrassingly late. And and so, so I caught an Uber because I was late and the Uber took the wrong route. So then I was even later. And then we got, almost got to the, to the venue and the road was closed and they wouldn't even let pedestrians through. And so I had to absolutely power through the city, taking the really long way around. And then when I got to the venue, I saw they opened the road. So yay me. But by this stage, I was just, it, it was so late. It wasn't even funny. It was just beyond ridiculously late. Anyway, so I, I ended up getting, getting my phone out and got the room. You have, to, you have to have a room code to get in. So I got the code to get into the building, to get into the room. And, and then I saw, and I, and I pressed the button for the elevator, yeah. just waiting, you know, just waiting to get up there, just panicking. And out of the corner of my eye, as the elevator opened up, I saw someone else who looked extremely late, who was also trying to get into the building, and who mentioned to the window washer outside that she was also here for a comedy workshop. And I, I had one of these moments, I'll always try and hold a lift for someone, but I was so late that day that I thought, should I do the dodgy thing? Should I pretend I don't see them and close the lift and be a few microseconds earlier than that person so I'm not the last one in? So the little devil horns came up and I considered it. But I thought, no, no, be a decent person. Hold the elevator open. So I did. And I said, hi, I'm Juliet. I'm you know, here for the comedy workshop. And she said, yep, she's here for the comedy workshop too. We both walked in into the classroom. I sat down a sweaty mess at the table. She walked to the front of the class and that was Nellie Thomas, my comedy mentor. I almost <laughs> I almost ditched my comedy mentor. Never so, met her before. Hi, <laughs> never met her before. Yeah. So that was nearly the most. And this is the lady who's helped me do numerous shows. Like she helped me do the um, Mojo Festival. That was a wonderful one. She's mentored me. I, I recently did the moth. I got up and did my first moth talk. So she was a real support for that and she's just been really supportive taking all of us to comedy gigs helping us network with other comedy professionals it's been a blast so thank you nelly and uh sorry nelly <laughs> although i got so much out of just that that um workshop definitely <laughs> yeah. we might take a break and we'll be back in a minute after these messages welcome back so who would like to perform their work next and I'll give it a crack. Mitchell? Yep, yep. Right. <laughs> Welcome, Mitchell. Give her a round of applause, Mitchell. Woo! Go on, yeah. Mitch! Uncle Mitch. Tells the yarn. Hi, I'm Mitchell. I don't like talking much. I can be quite shy. <laughs> I'm somewhat socially awkward, prone to social anxiety and stage fright. I am an enigma, a conundrum, having an intense fear of public speaking, but yet. I am humorless, but here on stage, telling jokes. A bit out of the old comfort zone, you might say. I'm not really a one-liner kind of guy. I prefer a bit of a yarn or two. Think of me as your favourite uncle. 
Tell us a story, Uncle Mitch. All right, folks, gather round the fire. Let Uncle Mitch tell you a love story. The year was 1989. Were you a nerd? What were you called? Were you extroverted? <laughs> were you introverted? Were you loud? Were you quiet? And then there was truth and pain. The truth of youthful love and the awful pain of unrequited affection. I bumped into a girl I knew from school. Turned out she was an amateur actor. I thought to myself, hmm, maybe if I joined the theatre company, I could impress her. We could reacquaint. I could ask her out on a date. Great idea. So this theatre company was in desperate need for male extra. Excellent. That meant no audition for me. Yes. So I'm there, outside the rehearsal hall, and reaching for the door handle. Do I? Don't I? Do I? Don't I? Don't, I decided. And just as I went to leave, the door flung open a hand, gripped my arm. Oh, good you're here. Yank into the <laughs> hall I go to be frustrating to a chorus dance routine. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, boy. An amateur musical theatre company. Yes. Uncle Mitch. <clears throat> Singing and dancing on stage. Just between you and me. I don't like musicals. I've never seen the sound of music. I don't want to. There I was, a fish out of water, a straight young man in a notoriously flamboyant world, just to win a date with a girl. I was looking here, looking there. Where was she? She's missing rehearsals. So I asked around, but this girl, this young woman was not only not in this production, but was with another theatre company. How did this end, you ask? How did this end, you ask? Well, Uncle Mitch didn't get the girl, but this straight heterosexual male saw the production through to the end. Thank you. Yay! <laughs> that was epic. <laughs> so how long does it take you to write? No, you go, you go, Juliet. I was just going to say, I just love the modulation in your voice, Mitchell. You have got, you've got a fantastic way of enunciating things. It is gold. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Juliet. I, I would honestly listen to you read the phone book, my friend. <laughs> I was just going to say, how long does it take you to write a piece of comedy like that? Is that that one? Well, um, it, it this one actually took a few weeks and maybe a little bit of tweaking, you know, before I debuted it at our loop bar. Um, but but yeah, just 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 for you know three or four minutes of 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 work, it it, it it's um yeah yeah maybe a number of weeks before sort of getting it tweaked and, you know, the little bits that, that aren't relevant, you've got to check this out, check that out, or, or no, that should be said that way. And, 
Um, but yeah, it, it it can take a little while. Yeah. And how about the other guys, Rowan and Juliet? How long did it take, um, take you to write your your pieces? Probably just just a couple of hours if I sort of know the direction things are headed in and can sort of link up various um, bits together. You know, it doesn't take that long because sometimes I've had things running around my head for a while and then I can sort of pull them out and sort of get them on the page. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't really take that, that long. Um, yeah, it's probably a fortunate thing in some ways, but other times you just can't stop yourself coming up with stuff, so... Sounds more yeah. immediate, immediate then, doesn't it? It keeps the punch happening. Yeah, that's Better, right. That's editing right. too much, I suppose. I suppose you're going to edit, diff- like, see see how the crowd response is and then think, well, maybe I'll change that joke a little bit. Or Do you ever do yep. that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I haven't had that much experience in front of crowds as yeah. as yet. But, um, yeah, that's definitely a good point to keep in mind. That, you know, you sort of mm. got to keep it sharp and to the point. Yeah, because that's the idea, isn't it? To get everyone laughing. You don't want to sort of have the room go quiet and you're like, oh, no, that was my funniest joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all we have time for, part one this week of the comedy show. Uh, enjoy part two next week. Don't forget to tune into Brainwaves on 8.55am. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.